Happy podcast, everyone. It's Brent Cosro and Dave Walton coming to you from Fisher Phillips LLP, management side employment law firm with offices uh, across the country, 36 offices to be precise. And as you know by now, our focus is exclusively on the American workplace, electronics, all things digital, and how it affects employees nationwide. We're coming to you today with another exciting topic. This is the fourth in our series of podcasts so far about the American workplace and electronics. And what we're gonna talk about today is something different. Uh, Not strictly law, not strictly cases, not strictly regulations or statutes, but really something more practical. And that's analytics and big data analytics and how it's changing the entire landscape in the American workplace. Uh, So to kick things off, I wanna just get started with a little bit of an introduction. What, Dave, why are lawyers talking about data analytics if it's not something strictly legal? Well, it's, you know, it's because as of 2017, I just recently read, a, read an article from the McKinsey Group, and they said back at, at 2017, 71% of HR departments are using what they call people analytics, which is essentially big data for HR or data analytics for AHR. And that's back in 2017. I have to believe eight, it's got to be over 80% now. And so what we do, you and I try to do, as management side, believer in employment lawyers, in order to provide the most value to our clients, we have to understand how the entire workplace is operating and everything that's impacting it. So we can try to look forward and predict what we need to start learning now so we can help our clients in the future. Um, You know, me personally, I started studying big data, data analytics, Back in 2013 or so, um, you know, my wife's very open about this. She's been battling cancer for a long time. And when she had the recurrence of cancer, I studied where are the studies? What are the clinical studies doing? And so much of what I read about the clinical studies was about um, big data and the use of big data and analytics. And I started studying that because I have a technology of interest. I read some books on it and I figured, man, Law's way behind this, okay? Way, way behind. And this is going to have a, this could, this, this could have a big impact eventually on the employment law, okay? And so I started studying it, and I started just thinking about it and talking about it, doing, doing speeches about it, and just, you know, thinking about how HR analytics, people analytics may affect employment law in, in the future, and so what I found is a lot of lawyers, I mean, we have a very narrow focus. I mean, you know, we, we try to focus on what is going to give us, uh, what's going to help us win a certain case, what's going to help us win a certain motion, what's going to help us win a certain battle with the other side, what's going to help us counsel our clients on a specific issue. Uh, but I, I think sometimes it's important for people to step back and to look at the bigger picture issues. And so that's how I got into Data analytics, which 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 I figured was going to become big in HR, and it has, and now it's called people analytics. So it has its own term. Now, so that's interesting. Now, talk about when we think about that. We think about how our clients are using data analytics and really what what it is they do. Because if we don't understand our clients, then we can't advise them. Properly. Exactly right. So how, so what are you seeing and what, in what ways are clients in their HR departments and the way they manage their workforce 
personnel, how are they using data analytics? Well, they're, they're, they're using it from everything to training, to employees uh, recruitment, employee selection, employee performance reviews and monitoring. Uh, some firms have uh, predictive algorithms for when employees may leave. They're called flight risk in indicators. Um, they're, they're using concepts called gamification to uh, encourage employees to have more engagement on certain things, or engagement on training, engagement on onboarding, engagement on certain performance measures. But I mean, a, love, but a lot of this is an extension of what's been going on for years outside of the HR department, okay? Because, because you know, I think it's important to understand what's going on in HR. It's important to understand how data analytics has been used up to this point, you know, because although 71%, 80%, I think it is now at least, of HR departments are using people analytics. You know, analytics itself is a broad term. It can mean many different things and many different people. Um, and so, uh, one thing that, you know, so we'll, one thing that, that I like to do is talk about how big data has been used, and then we can extrapolate to how it may be used in the employment department. And so, what I talk, you know, thought that we would talk about here is, um, is to talk about the non-legal aspects and then the legal aspects of the people analytics, of, of HR an, an, analytics. I mean, when I first study, started studying this, I don't know if you remember uh, Marissa Mayer from Yahoo fame? Sure, fact, of course. You know, a few, few years ago, she was the darling of, of, of Silicon Valley. And she had a quote, and when I first read it, I didn't believe it. This is back like 2013, she said, big data will be bigger than the internet. Now, think about that for a minute. I mean, what's... The internet's what, everything. Yeah, what could possibly be bigger than the internet, you know? But then as I started to study it more, you now she worked for a big data company, so she's a little biased. But when I started studying it more, I started to think, you know, she's probably right. And so what I thought we would do is, you know, talk about kind of the basics of data analytics, talk about why they've grown so seeing Significantly, because I think if you understand the basics and why they've grown, it's easier to extrapolate what might have happened with people analytics. Talk about how data analytics is being used out, uh, outside HR and within HR, and then of course talk about the uh, legal issues, and and then have some thoughts about the future. So for for those that are sort of uninitiated in this, when we say big data or data analytics, what exactly does that? Yeah. What exactly is that? It's basically, Brent, just, it's basically a collision of social science and math, okay? And so when you think about it, how do you judge people's behavior? How do you predict how somebody might react to a certain circumstance? Well, everything up to about 10 years ago or so was all based on judgment, skill, uh, experience, okay? And so it was a lot like, if you remember the um, book uh, Moneyball and the movie Moneyball. Of course, with, uh, the, Brad Pitt, the Brad Pitt yeah. classic. Yeah. And uh, Billy Bean, he's a general manager of the Oakland A's. And he, was, he, used, he used metrics and data analytics to help build a powerful baseball team, although they were in a very small market and had a very small budget. Okay? 
And so, like, I played baseball in the college. And so when I went to pro tryouts, they would uh, have me run, which really wasn't good for me because I was slow. And then they would watch you throw. And then if you did good on running and throwing, then they might have let you hit. Okay. So what Billy Bean did is he, he said, okay, I'm going to try to uh, datafy a lot more stuff that I can measure uh, other than just running and throwing. So, and then figure out what, what are the measures I should be uh, looking for that will enhance my scouting process. So my scouting process isn't just based on eyes. It's not just based on experience, but there's some background for it and there's some uh, metrics for it. So that's an example of what I call a collision of social sciences and math. I mean, can you use mathematical concepts to measure the uncertainty of human behavior? Can you, can you do that? Um, well, that's a risky proposition for many lawyers who probably went to law school because they wanted to avoid both social sciences <laughs> and math. Yeah. But now that we know that, and that's really what we're talking about, that makes it more important, I think, that, that we drill down on really, you know, first of all, how do we get here? How do we get yeah. to the point? It wasn't yeah. just money ball that triggered yeah. this, I'm sure. And, and, and I mean, what is it that fueled the rise of analytics? Well, you know what? I mean, that's a, that's a great uh, question is that if you did, you know, like, like I went to law school to avoid math and it's so kind of funny that I'm into data ad analytics, but my wife has a PhD and she taught statistics as a grad student. So back in the statistical analysis, you'd have to use the N. I forget if it's the big N or a small N to represent the universe, right? And that was the universe. And you would do statistical analysis by, by taking a representative sample of that, of, of that universe because you couldn't interview all the people. You couldn't survey if you were doing a child development survey. That's what you got your PhD in. You couldn't survey every kid in America. So you had to do a representative survey, right? But now everything is becoming digitized. And if it's digitized, then you can datify it. And so what, what we've seen with the explosion of big, big data and data analytics is as sources become digi digitized, like email, mobile devices, social media, electronic health information, marketing data, streaming video. So all the sources are becoming digitized. That's one element. Second element, we're having faster, cheaper processing speeds. I mean, our, our computers are so fast now, and a processing power has become so much cheaper, that means you can grab all that data that's a digital, and you can analyze it faster. Also, you have cheaper memory and larger memory, okay? We used to be able, I mean, you know, I mean, we grew up in the floppy disk era, right? I mean, so uh, the megabytes was a big thing. You know, now we're talking terabytes with our hard drives. Um, and then also there's increased internet bandwidth. So I can grab all this data from all over the world grab it in real time, process it in real time, analyze it in real time. So you don't need the, the statistical data set anymore because you have access to the end. You have access to everything. And so then because you have access to everything, the focus of data analytics is not on what's going to happen 
you know, why something is occurring. It's more on what's likely to happen next based on these prior patterns. So basically, our clients can take these data, the big data, mm -hmm. and use them to help predict trends and behaviors and patterns in their workforce, yes. in their employees. And they're, and they're doing that. And then we'll get to that, but you know, some companies are using surveys and they ask real innocuous things like, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? And in combination with social media and stuff like that, um, that, um, you know, that you are able to, um, you know, make uh, predictions about people. I mean, it, it, there's a really good book out there called The Power of Habits by this guy, Charles Dewey. He's uh, a writer for the Wall Street Journal. And his main premise in that book is we're all pretty much the same. You know, I mean, there's a, another book out there. I forget the author. It's called A Sapiens. It's about the development of the human race. And the premise of that book in combination with Charles O'Dewig is we had the same brain basically as we had that we, when we lived in caves. Our brain has not evolved, but very, very marginally, if at all, over, over the last a, a, a millennia, right? So we're all pretty much the same. So we all engage in the same habits. And so what data analytics is doing now is just like I said earlier, they're using mathematical concepts applied to the uncertainty of human be, of behavior. And what they're finding out is that certain things about human behavior aren't uncertain. They're certain, okay? And how do you find that? It's like a, a drilling for Bitcoin. H how do you find those areas of human behavior that are certain based on certain factors. And so that's what data, data analytics do. I mean, one, uh, one uh, more thing I want to raise about data analytics is it's based on correlation too, not causation, okay? So because it's based on correlation, you need a lot more points in order to have a good uh, predicted model. But we can do that now because we have access to so much data. And those data provide points. So there may be an individual correlation just between what type of employee you're going to be in, in your favorite ice cream flavor. But that correlation alone doesn't mean anything. But you add that correlation on top of a million other correl correlations, and maybe you have a pattern. And, then, and if you have a pattern, you have a predictive uh, pattern. And of course, this sort of thing bumps up against one of the great tensions we see in our practice nationwide with employers, which is, can you grossly generalize across mm -hmm. any population cohort? Yep. Obviously, there are areas of federal state law where you can't do that. You're yep. not allowed to make that kind of yep. gross generalization for one or more reasons involving protected classes. So I can see already where we're gonna have real tension yep. between the power, the predictive power of big data versus some of the, some of the most some of the most compelling yep. aspects of, of, our, of our law in the workplace. And you can't tell HR departments not to use it because it's so darn good, okay? So a lot of lawyers, uh, you know, because we're a risk-adverse lot, we, uh, we might say, well, just don't use it, okay? But it's so good. I mean, just to, to think about Las Vegas for a minute. Vegas, the house wins like on 51 percent if they win 51 percent of time if you can guess or or beat the house 52 53 percent of time then you're going to make money well that analytics can bump it up to 80. that's incredible okay. 
And so if you can, if you can predict with 80% certainty what someone is most likely to do or be, that could be pretty powerful. All right. Well, you know, I mean, I could talk about this all day, but I think, I think what we should do is take a break here. Uh, and what we'll, what we'll do in the next podcast, and we'll see if we can get through it, is talk about how businesses are using big data in a predictive analytics and then merge into how HR departments are using it. Uh, and then if we have time on the next one, maybe we'll have to go to a third, we'll, uh, we'll explore the uh, legal issues, which I think are fascinating. So this concludes part one of today's podcast from Dave Walton and Brent Cosro of Fisher & Phillips regarding big data and analytics in the American workplace. We look forward to seeing you and hearing from you uh, next time in part two, which will, which will be, uh, be posted as soon as we can. This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation.